0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Too Much Test podcast. I'm Tester Levels here with David Dimasquita and Sam Stolt. Uh, if you're listening to this, you can also check us out on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, all the links to all the affiliates and companies that we work with will be below in the description. And we have a special guest with us today. We've got Seth. Uh, you may know him on Instagram. What's going on, Seth? What's going on, guys? How's everyone doing?
1: What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. glad time. to hear
0: you where can where can
1: we find you on instagram and YouTube so you guys can find me at Seth underscore uh, or Seth jordan underscore 3.0
0: okay cool cool
1: we'll, we'll put that down below for anybody who was listening if you want to
2: check out Seth in the show notes or whatever
0: yep absolutely I'm,
3: just quick question did you just uh upgrade immediately from like 1.0 to 3.0 you just skipped 2.0 in between
1: so it, it, I actually had an old Instagram account when I first started, Um, and I, lo- I forgot the email or whatever. I can't remember the password. Something happened, but I can't remember. I couldn't log in. So I was like, I'm fucking going to start a new Instagram, and then I started my whole YouTube deal and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to upgrade from 2.0 to 3.0. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> there we all right. go. All right. That's
0: all. Random funny story about Instagram. I had an Instagram a long time ago. It was just like a personal one just for posting pictures. This is a while ago. And this girl that I know, I was in Vegas, actually, and she reached out to me and she said, yo, what's going on with your Instagram? And I was like, well, I don't know what's going on. She's like, there's all kinds of like hot models being posted on your page with like links to like malware and stuff like <laughs> Russian. And I was like, what the hell? Damn, Russian's got my Instagram. So I was able to recover the account. I was able to change the password, wake up the next day from Vegas, feeling like trash, obviously from partying. And I wake up and... I'm blocked out of my Instagram account. So at that point, I just accepted that the Russian owned Russians owned my Instagram and I moved on and I didn't use Instagram until I started my channel. So <laughs>
2: is it, isn't it kind of a little bit crazy? I've had several accounts like taken down and stuff, but to talk about some of the stuff that we talk about is just such taboo. Like It's way, 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 way more open to talk about testosterone or peptides or SARMs and different yeah. ancillary drugs today. But even today, I get video. I've had hundreds, hundreds of videos deleted off of TikTok. I've had channel on YouTube with 300 plus videos deleted. And just talking about the things that we talk about around, say, gear or, or related PEDs and stuff like that. Have you guys had the same
1: experience? So you're right about that. But jump in a little bit if that's okay. Um, so uh, since I started my YouTube channel about two years ago... Um, I I had several videos on there like beforehand and then you're right. Like I I had a couple of my, my deleted because of like all the PD talks that me and Tony did, or just in general, like, you know, I did some on my own. I was like, fuck, where'd it go? Like day later it was gone. So I I emailed them and trying to figure out what was going on. And they didn't email back. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to, you know, fuck it or whatever. But, um, I
0: I was going to say, I've actually been pretty lucky on my YouTube channel. I've never had one pulled um for that i mean i've had a couple of them demonetized but i'll go through the Mm -hmm. review process i mean i don't know if it's because you know i'm i'm kind of more like clinical like here's research on carterine here's a study of this Mm -hmm. i'm not talking about using it in like performance enhancing way but i mean come on most of these like when we talk about gear and stuff talk about like primabolin and you know sipionate deca whatever these are fda approved medicines you know and the main problem is that So social media companies are now creating what their their laws. You know, like I've got one of my rats armies thing pulled and threatened to be banned because they say that I was promoting selling illegal products, which they are not illegal in any way, shape, or form except for human consumption. So you have social media companies basically dictating law, you know, and that's that's scary. Mm-hmm.
1: No, you're, you're right. You're right about that. Because also, like, especially with like pharma and all that, you can't really say certain words or else they want to ban you, especially on Facebook. You can't say the word testosterone or they're actually like, I think I think one of my buddies or something, they, they said testosterone and they were speaking about it and they um like banned them for 30 days. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, um
3: <laughs> wow. So talk about big pharma and their power. I don't know if people know this, but like conspiracy theory, right? Kobe had a lawsuit against a pharmaceutical company and it was going to hit court, I think at the end of the week or the following week, right before he died. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And I, it's actually uh, someone that's, it might be a high-tech pharma or something like that. I can't remember. But if you look it up, there was like some lawsuit or allegations that were going on and they were going to court or something like that for it. I have no clue what it was about or what it was re- referencing, but it was a pharmaceutical company of some sort. So, I so I, what I have a question for each one of you guys. So
2: given what David was just talking about, I know some people that um, have done things in their life that are like, have more experience in life than I do, and have done things that like they wouldn't do the same today that they did back in the day where very sketchy shit happened, like they hurt people, right? For a for living and stuff like that. What, what you just said, David, my, I wanna hear what, what you guys on a scale of, say zero to 100 would you believe that to be true or not? Like, I personally, I think that shit. I know for a fact that kind of shit happens based upon some of the people that I know out here where that kind of stuff actually takes place. and used to take place way more common fifteen to thirty years ago. And now it's more rounded about type ways. What do you you what do you think the 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 it's on a scale? Like what do you do you think it's like super highly probable that happens? Or is it more just like, oh well, that's a conspiracy. Where do you guys sit on that spectrum?
0: I'll put it I'll put it this way. You know, everything, everything has a cost and so if you were to hire a contractor to 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 take care of something i mean think about what that would cost and then the the backing behind someone like big pharma or someone like a, a, a government agency wasn't there there was a recent thing not too recent but where a guy rolled up to someone uh in their house and they had like a fedex uniform like full uniform package and busted in and and did some things i mean that's like that's like a real deal, like Hitman style. You know, you got the uniform, you knock on the door. I got a package for you, and then, you know, it lights out. So, I don't, I don't know that particular story, but I, I'm sure it could happen. Has it? I don't know. So there was a guy that
3: invented a car. <laughs> I'm the story. There was a guy that invented a car that could run off oxygen, wasn't it? Oxygen or 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 water?
1: And uh, you, the guy doesn't exist anymore. Oh. Just gone. That, that's Tesla now,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't, <laughs> <I'm up> now. <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that like a doctor um who you guys probably know Dr. Sebi or something like that? Wasn't that doctor who was curing a lot of people from based upon his diet and he was getting a lot of notoriety, wrote several books on it, and then he um, got arrested for money laundering and then died in custody.
3: There, there was a – so if you look at the birth control, the history of birth control, right, this, this is going to be really interesting. Like, and I'm not sure you guys know the history of birth control, but it originally was banned by the FDA. They didn't legalize it. Um, the studies that came out about it, the researchers that were on it um, eventually got silenced immediately after when they legalized it. So they were going through the legality process again, and so it was, like, round two. I don't know if it's, like, second-gen – uh, birth control but it's still the mechanisms are still the same it's so estrogen or some form of estrogen and progesterone or vice versa one or the other and um they basically like we're like talking about like all the negative side effects that come with it And it, because it's steroids it's the same exact thing as putting a kid on testosterone and if you put it on facebook it's gonna it pull down now i don't care um so but but it's the same thing like it shuts you down and um every woman athlete that i have right now is now off of birth control besides one. And she's about to come off birth control. And I have to, I do natural PCT remedies there. You can HRT them out too, which a lot of people Mm -hmm. like in the medical world, they don't like the functional world, but I like both worlds. So I can make a combination of the two, but originally that was banned. And then they basically banned all the scientists that were on the original research team, hey, you guys can't publish any, like, uh, literally banned publications, and they can, are no longer allowed to publish. So they basically silenced all these researchers that were like, hey, look, this is the argument against it, why you shouldn't do it. Um, And they, they agreed, the FDA agreed, and they're like, all right, it's banned. And then I guess enough funding came back in the door, and they restarted the research, and all those original researchers, boop, out the door. So, yeah. it happens. Yeah, no, I agree. It
2: sounds like hiperminton. It sounds like you're talking about today. Okay. Um,
3: <laughs> today you don't even want to get me started on like what's going on with the vaccine the war right now man like they, what they couldn't make enough money off the vaccine i think they're like oh we pretty much capped out who we can force to get a vaccine or scare into getting a vaccine we're not making enough money there let's spin up a war really fast
0: uh, third booster and did you guys hear that Pfizer's trying to make out put out some pill that you have to take alongside twice a day with the vaccine it's like like what's next like so we're gonna have like Four boosters, you have to take a pill every day, a suppository, maybe like a nasal <laughs> spray. Like you have to all do it all together to protect you, you know, the ninety-nine point seven percent chance that you're still gonna be fine either way. But and it's only
1: it's only for like certain age groups, too, I heard, right?
0: Whichever one has the most money is probably what's that, what's that <laughs> applies to. <laughs> but you know what people people don't understand that, you know, you're getting the vaccine for free but the U S government is paying. So you're basically paying your taxes and then the government's paying big pharma, big pharma puts big money into lobbying. So, you know, I mean, I actually, I put a story on my Instagram and I'm, I'm on the treadmill at the gym, which is very rare, but I was on the treadmill. (laughs) And it's like, it's like Florida cases, spiking hospitals, overflowing. And I'm looking around in the gym with like 80 people. No one's wearing masks. Like I've been in the gym since it opened in like May. And I, I wore a mask when I had to, which is basically just walking in and out. But I mean, if it's so, so infectious, like how can I go to the gym for damn near 18 months with no mask and interact with hundreds of people and not, you know, I'm not saying it's not real. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, well, it's, so, it's like two different worlds. We live in the hospitals. Overflowing
3: was a big sham. So their hospitals are not overflowing. In fact, there weren't enough jobs for people in the hospitals. My wife, did medical recruiting for traveling nurses? The only people that were getting hired at the time were traveling respiratory therapists. They are making bank. I mean, they still are right now. Like they're still getting paid like ten thousand dollars a week or eight to ten thousand dollars a week, something absorbently ridiculously expensive. Because every single time someone dies and they can be declared as COVID, they get a kickback of thirty grand that hospital. But. <laughs> There were not enough jobs. You couldn't get hired anywhere because literally, like all the jobs, they weren't they were allowing X amount of people in the hospital, so it was less people in the hospital. So what are they talking about? Overflowing hospitals. It, it literally mathematically doesn't make sense. Oh, you can have what a third of the populace in the hospital and you're full, but you're not full. So it's know.
0: interesting. I saw someone post on Instagram, it was like type in like uh you know, over overflowing hospitals and type in every year a different year, and it'll be like you know, 1997 hospitals were over overfilled during the flu, and it basically happens every year during the flu. Uh, but with COVID, they made it seem like it's this—it's never happened before. People were dropping dead left and right. You know, I mean, it, it's a realism. I know some guy. I know someone who knows someone that died from uh, died from COVID. Now he was very heavy. He was diabetic. He had other medical issues, but he did die. I mean, it is—it's a real thing that people are dying, but it's just. The disconnect from real life and the media is is it's like black and white.
2: It almost, to a certain extent, I feel like the media. Yes, we know they live in a different reality from like actual reality, but it's it's almost like it's fake. Not not the, the virus, but like what what they say is happening is just constantly just it's it's not based in any type of reality, and it doesn't affect. Like I feel like most people's lives, but I don't, I don't know because I talk to guys like you guys and <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you think for yourselves and, and you, you take action on your life and, and, and take responsibility for your health. So, but, but for, I just don't know a lot of people where it seems to affect their life in, in, in a, you know, I'm sure tr- I had, like, I'm not saying it's not real, but
3: it just doesn't seem to affect anybody's or like people it, with COVID.
2: Oh, you yeah, really twice.
3: Yeah, the first time I was so bad, yeah. I literally almost pooped, soiled myself, man. It was bad. Oh, and man. then, yeah, I had for so it lasted for four weeks for me, the first go-around. So it was weird. So it was like the first – seven to eight days, I felt like death, right? Like I had my temperature spike. I almost drowned in a pool. That's how the first day I knew I had it. So I jumped into a pool and I actually blacked out, almost drowned because I guess the lungs down regulated so much. And I didn't know, I didn't thought that I had like, I, I've, I've had a seizure before. Right. So I thought I had a seizure and blacked out or something like that. And I was like, what the heck? But uh, I woke up and I like, I like had to pull myself up. I like ripped my, the skin off my toes, pulling myself up out of the pool because I realized I was actually drowning. Um, But I blacked out as soon as I hit the water. And, um, So that was day one for me. And then, like the next day, I broke a fever in the middle of the night, like bad fever. Had a fever for like two, three days. And any virus, your contagion point is when you have a temperature. And within 24 to 48 hours, you're really the contagion point dies down. If you read the CDC guidelines for quarantining, it really is like, as soon as the temperature is gone for 48 hours, you can pretty much be around people. So if it's like a 10-day quarantine period, but as long as you reach that 48-hour period of time after the temperature, because they know it's actually less contagious than it is. But I think it is a very contagious virus. Like I don't see the flu spreading like COVID does. In all honesty, um, so how you
2: make say, it yourself?
3: Huh? Huh?
2: <laughs> so that's what happens when you make it in the lab. So you know <laughs> I, I was
0: watching. I was watching a documentary or a YouTube video, um, and basically. They were saying that the difference between the flu and COVID is that, uh, you know, the flu, your symptoms come on quickly. They come on a lot more quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, so you wake up one morning and you feel pretty bad. You're like, all right, I'm staying home. They're saying that, you know, COVID, because they say you can you can basically have it for 10 days before you see symptoms Is you, you walk around and then you may start coughing. So they say that's they're thinking that's why it's been more rampant than the flu. So, me having it twice, I probably disagree with that.
3: I almost immediately knew that I had it because of the down regulation that lungs when I almost drowned. Um, and then I had the temperature within 24 hours. I may have had it sooner than that, but every single person I was around, by the way, for, and I was around the only time I never get out of my house. I just happened to be around people for like 20, 20 to 30 people, like in the little kids, adults, everything that within that 24 hour period of time. And no one, I, I told everyone, I was like, look, I have COVID, get tested. No one had it besides me. Literally, everyone tested negative. Um, mm. So I thought that was really interesting. I also had a friend that was actually uh, building a gym. Mm. This is a month before me, and he almost pooped, <laughs> he almost soiled himself too. And uh, wow. so he had a bad also. But only two people out of the entire place that tested positive, which is 80 people, had symptoms. And the other 78 tested positive, or it was probably, it was around 80. Um, They all tested positive and had, they were asymptomatic, besides those two, and the two got slammed. And then I was like, oh, I was like, I'm I'm just waiting to get it, and hopefully I don't get slammed, right? No, I almost sold myself. I had a migraine for eight days. The worst was the migraine. I want to, like, take a drill to my brain to, like, release tension. I was like, oh,
0: my head. Oh, wow. Well, so, before we started talking, uh, David and Seth, you were talking about GDAs. I figured that'd be a pretty good, interesting comp. uh, I've only tried one Slin. And random story, I was taking it for about a week and I was with some buddies and I started drinking and I got really, really drunk and I, I can I can handle my alcohol. So I, I, I definitely attribute that to Slin. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, Slin. And you said you've tried some other ones as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so I tried the, the uh, Lin. That was my first ever um, like real GDA supplement um, that I've tried. Uh, before like the barbarian ingredient, like just that alone, uh, like we were mentioning earlier today um, before this. Um, so the difference between I've noticed with other ones, uh, I usually don't get like a crash. Um, so if you like get crashed from taking a GDA supplement, it means your, your blood sugar is like kind of dropped a little bit, just like taking regular insulin. So you always want to have sugar on hand or some sort of high carb meal because that's going to deplete your body. And then that's something you don't want to happen because of all you guys who are experienced with taking insulin or any GDA supplement, um, those spikes are really important with the supplement, especially with high carbs. So that's why they they say like you want to shuttle the carbs into your body so you kind of mimic the insulin. Um, but like with the slim, I haven't noticed any crash, but I think depending on how much of the, um, slim pills you take. So versus like how many carbs or, or like sugar you have, like with the intake that you have with supplement that also might be something that depends like with the, how large of a person you might be. So, I mean, I don't know, like, what, the, what do you mean exactly? So like if, let's say if you're like t- 230 pound person, bodybuilder, you know, the normal person having like a cheat meal would take four or six pills. You might just take two pills versus four pills. Um, now, Seth,
3: I did want to ask you a question on that. Just if we want to take it a step further and it go down to blood glucose testing and blood glucose monitoring. Um, now your experience with Slin. Um, and by the way, I want to reiterate the fact that Slin is a product. It is not insulin. We're not bre- abbreviating insulin. Oh, so Slin, Slin is a I, just, I just want to clarify that for everyone listening. Um, it's a, it's a supplement by EA, um, enhanced mm-hmm. apple. So when you have taken Slin, have you done gl- glucose testing with it to see where you're at, where your threshold is? I'm curious. And then please note everyone else. Every single person is different when it comes to a blood glucose cortisol levels come into it. So literally your sleep comes into it, everything. But I'm, I'm just asking in particular in his case, Um, what he has found out to being a good threshold of matching of carbohydrates to um, getting that blood glucose in a good
1: range. So I've actually not had like a a test, like one of those meters you can get at Walmart or whatever, CVS. Um, I've actually not done that or experienced that myself, which I kind of probably should do like a little experiment just to see. But I could just tell like, so if I don't eat enough carbs, my butcher is dropping. So I could automatically already notify that something's happening in my body and responding why it's that way. So I can kind of tell that it's working.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, and absolutely. So when you take it a step further and you're talking about actual insulin – like you need to be blood glucose monitoring. Um, mm-hmm. This is a natural approach to getting that glycogen disposal agent. Um, so I just for health reasons, I actually take my fast blood glucose uh, three times a week and I actually do it to monitor actually my cortisol and my circadian rhythm more so than anything else. Um, so I do do blood glucose testing. How, how does that work? Um, for cortisol, sorry. For cortisol, yeah, no, sure. Um, so essentially the way that cortisol works, if you're constantly secreting cortisol, your insulin it basically blocks glucose from uptaking, right? Because you're, you become insulin resistant, and so I'm not going to keep it kind of high terminology. You become insulin resistant when you're constantly secrete cortisol. So if you're constantly in a, in a sympathetic state, you are pumping cortisol out, right? Which is a fight or flight response. So it actually makes puts us into an anabolic state to basically do something. Whether it's working out, we go into a sympathetic state, um, but we don't constantly want to be in a sympathetic state. We want to be in a parasympathetic state when we when we should be, and then sympathetic when we need it. Um, now, when we're getting ready for bed and you're winding down, but so basically how the cortisol ranges go is you start your day low and it increases to wake us up. Why? Because now we have epinephrine and norepinephrine releasing, and then it starts to come back down as the day is going on hypothetically, right? Like it just goes like that. It's, uh, it's, it goes exponentially up and then it starts dropping back down like a, um, a uh, not a bell curve, but I guess a bell curve shifted to the left of your day. Now, there's two different ways that cortisol works where it's a wrong so one, you start off your day really, really low and it's slowly and it peaks at the end of the day. And then you go to sleep and guess what? You're pumping out all that cortisol at the end of the day. It's messing up your sleep. It's messing like all the processes because it also will, it can, it can, inhibit basically igf1 growth hormone all that stuff it does affect all your hormones and if, when you're talking about a female it's even worse like you will literally shut down hormones completely um guys on trt it doesn't affect them the same way because we're injecting it but um now either way you take it a step further when you wake up in the morning if your fast blood glucose is elevated well guess what we know that you're you didn't sleep well at nighttime and you can it can just be a one-off thing where your blood glucose is high in the morning or let's say you he was drinking alcohol the night before you bet your butt that his in his uh, blood glucose will be high because it blocks that it blocks protein synthesis there are things that come with it if you have a tub of ice cream before you go to sleep it's probably going to be higher so you know what that is but if it's kind of like a one-off that's usually what you know it is but if it's constantly elevated i'd probably say 95 or above you need to start addressing it because there are negative ramifications that come with it and now in Lance terms, you're pre-diabetic between 100 to 120 and 120 plus. You're technically a type 2 diabetic, unless you're type 1, right? But usually you're like way higher if you're type 1 because your pancreas basically isn't working. Um, And that is the most optimal way to actually – one of the most optimal ways to track health progress, in my opinion, is blood glucose monitoring. Blood pressure monitoring is another one. Two of those are super underrated. Why? Blood pressure is going to tell you sometimes – If you're getting heart damage, so a CRP test would test that on a blood work, um, which is, what is it, C-reactive protein. Um, And and it tells you basically it can predict heart disease or kidney disease. And two, if your blood pressure is high, guess what? You're getting stress on your kidneys that you don't need. So you're having some issues that are going on. And these are things that you can do on a daily basis. It's not hard to monitor, but it is something that a lot of people don't think about. And then next thing you know, you're 50 years old and you get your blood pressure comp around your arm and they're like, um are you okay and you're like 160 over like 90 or something like that and you've done all this damage to your organs over the years because you haven't you haven't monitored yourself blood blood pressure is like it's been linked to
2: pretty much three quarters of the top 20 things that kill people in the united states like Heart disease, uh, stroke, uh, kidney disease is like a leading factor for kidney disease. You were just talking about Uh, ED, erectile dysfunction. uh, High blood pressure causes erectile dysfunction. Like the list just goes on and on and on and on from like all of the things that are like blood pressure is like one of the things that's like driving it behind the scenes. All those things. And that's Something that not enough people talk about, just like the blood sugar piece. Seth, do you take do you take a GDA of some sort every day?
1: No, so only on my high carb days or my um, my cheat meal days, or if I'm going to go out of my like extreme dieting, which I don't really diet that much anymore. But let's say if I'm not eating clean um i'll make sure i have some sort of like gda supplement in there so like even if it's like a a carb meal or something like that with extra calories in it then i'll take my uh, how do you
2: guys how do you guys use yours like taking it with the meal taking a half hour beforehand taking it afterwards
1: you do like everyone has different ways of doing it um i've had some people actually tell me they do it like right before their workout and then they eat like their gummy bears or whatever um kind of like to you know have that insulin kind of feeling to it and then like pump up and then work out right you know in between and even like taking um like the, the slim pills or whatever kind of gda supplement you have after your workout so you feel nice and full so it's a way of pumping up your muscles and looking really full interesting you, what about are you do you guys use uh, gda of some sort I only, I only tried
0: one bottle of it uh that definitely works um i took it i would just take it i think Whatever the dose was, I think I took like two pills. I would take two pills before like a higher carb meal. So I don't yeah. like even with like that Morpho REM supplement that you were telling me about to help me sleep. It's, yeah. You know, you can take five or 10 capsules. I haven't found a need to go to 10. So with a lot of supplements, I'll usually start with half the dose um, and then and then jump up if I need to. And that actually brings me, you we, me and David, were, we geeked out on the inositol in one of our last yeah. episodes because uh, it's in this product that I take called lipo C. Well, I just got, well, I got myself, you already know this, but I got like a kilogram of it off Amazon for like 26 bucks. <laughs> and I've been taking two grams of it. And it's interesting because it, it it makes the your water taste sweeter. And I put it in my protein shake when I get back from the gym and it taste, makes it taste sweeter as well. But I was actually watching a video on inositol and a lot of people consider it a nootropic. <laughs> um, basically, it's like, it gets in between like your dopamine and your serotonin receptors. And mm. I was I was just doing some research on inositol. And I can tell you when I take it, like I feel I take it in the morning, I take it at night. When I take it in the morning, it seems to like clear up my head a little bit. Like I feel more like focused, um, you know, and it's it's so cheap, you know, it's what, it's what is it again? What What, yeah. is, what is it? So, bro, you missed
3: out on this one, man. Yeah, this, is, this is awesome. So he randomly like had the product in his hand, and I was I was like, yeah, I'm just curious, like what's in it, right? And he said he said or something like that. I'm like he did not even pronounce the word. I was like,
1: oh, is in there.
3: I'm like, okay, so anocital. And it's funny. I was working at GNC just in between jobs at one point in time, and some guy walked in there and he bought anocital, right? Oh, side note, people use it to cut drugs, and all you guys can already know what that is. But so they used to use it. So they actually had it stored up in there. I'm like, why the heck is it stored up there? And it was like $300 for the bottle. Well, it's only because they use it for cutting down drugs, right? But it's really, really cheap supplement if you just get it online, right? It just GNC normally doesn't sell it. So I looked at this product and started doing all this research. And I'm a freak when it comes to nootropics because I'm very ADHD, very ADHD. Sure enough, that product in particular helps ADHD, it helps with cellular regeneration, like Every single thing, it sounds almost like growth hormone when it reads out, Interesting, but with no tropic benefits. Now it even, and this is the part that you didn't get to probably Pete, but, um, it even helps women that have, um, insulin resistance issues. So it helps with insulin resistance as well. PCOS. And it helps with PCOS. And the reason why it helps with PCOS is due to the fact that it helps. There's a, br- a brain barrier essentially, and it helps the ovaries talk to the, um, the pituitary gland um, better. So there's actually a pathway. It opens a pathway up, essentially. So so how does
2: it it work? You said something about serotonin
3: and and dopamine what 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 is it doing in the body it it has something to do with the mitochondrial it's at a mitochondrial level and i can't remember off the top of my head i mean dude like i did research on this like six years ago where i did deep dive so i cannot i'd be lying if i could say it off the top of my head but i knew it had something to do with the mitochondria of some sort um but i'm not 100 percent sure but it just the list is stupid, and now the interesting thing about it is, though, is because you look at a fruit; everything has an osol pattern or, or an osol in it, right? Well, it's not bioavailable; it's zero bioavailability in every single substance that you have. So, if it's interesting, if you take the, I I just dry scoop it sometimes because it's really really sweet, and it's coming from a fruit is usually where it's derived from. But uh, amazing stuff, and no one talks about it, man, because it's so cheap. Yeah. I- I, what, how
0: do you how are you spelling this i'm still missing inositol it's, yeah i and i look up vitamin b8 yeah what's interesting about inositol is that when it was discovered uh they didn't believe that it could be made in the body so they classified it as a b vitamin where you have to get from your diet and then they realized at some point i don't know when that your body can actually make it and so so now it's an but it says it says right on my little my little tub, uh, you know, vitamin B eight. Yeah, do some research as far as the serotonin and the out. dopamine from what from what the video I watched. It was kind of a high level video. Is it said it was kind of like you got the two receptors that are firing at each other, and an acetol kind of gets in the middle there and kind of helps everything move. Very high level, but it's a really cool supplement. I would definitely suggest it's twenty six bucks for a kilogram, and you're taking four wow. grams a day. So yeah, that's a lot. You know, do you, do you do a split dose? You take it all at once. The the one that I got on Amazon, uh, it's got this little tiny scooper. It doesn't say whether it's a full scoop or if a you know if you if you t- you know flatten it out. But six scoops, roughly each e- equals eighteen hundred milligrams. Uh, so I just kind of do a little bit extra to get two two milligrams, uh, you know, morning and then kind of late evening.
3: Yeah, so most serving sizes are going to be six hundred milligrams to seven hundred fifty milligrams for a scoop out of a bottle, and you're going to be hitting about, like you said, six. I always recommend a split dose because it does help with basically sleep aid and recovery and that process at nighttime, and it also helps with the cognitive functionality. So I do it in the morning as well. Um, L tyrosine is an awesome cognitive tool that's super cheap to add into the morning, but it also helps with um, serotonin production as well. Uh, it helps with ADHD. So I mean I, I made my own little concoction for ADHD like years ago. Um, so it's cool. So, I I've, I've just over this
2: past week I started adding back in uh, Modafinil at a microdose. To like, um, I've I haven't taken it probably it's been a while. Maybe I took some last year like a tiny bit, but I haven't taken it like consistently for several days. So what is it? A capsule I think is like 200 milligrams. So I'm taking 50 milligrams first thing in the morning with probably 50 to 200 milligrams of caffeine that it's not jittery. I'm not like off the wall. It's very clear, very calm, able to articulate in my mind where the, 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 clarity of where I'm going Like, Hey, what do I need to do next? Boom, boom throughout the day. I'm definitely really liking it. I haven't taken a while. And I was like, why haven't I done this more often? This is really I've been, good right
3: now. I haven't taken it in weeks and I took a hundred today. Um, now what I like is actually, so everyone talks about caffeine, right? Because we're all a caffeine society. <laughs> Tea cream is amazing for cognitive function. Tea cream and nicotine is super underrated. Nicotine, I, and I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, but in prep, guess what? The half-life is a lot shorter than caffeine. So if you need to go to sleep and you're having issues with sleeping or napping, you can mm. hit some, a little bit of nicotine gum, get organic nicotine gum, and do like max one milligram. And No, I'm not telling people to take nicotine, but it is. Like just get some nicotine gum, try it out and figure out your threshold. You may be at a quarter piece of gum and do 0.5 milligrams and it feels like rocket fuel to your brain. It suppresses your appetite a little bit, just like other stimulants, but it's out of your system very fast. So people that can't handle caffeine before they go to lift at nighttime, they can do a little bit of nicotine. They can get a two hour rush to get back home and it's getting out of their system. I'm going to have to try that as a stack for my pre-workout.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting about nicotine. You probably know this. Or you guys probably know this, but it's a natural aromatase inhibitor. So it can actually help, you know, t- I did help not keep know that. that conversion from testosterone <laughs> over to estrogen. Now I'm not saying, you know, hit up the Marlboro man. If you start getting high, you know, <laughs> high estrogen sides, but, uh, but yeah, it's just interesting how, uh, Seth, what kind of stacks do you take or what kind of, what kind of supplementation do you do?
1: Right now, I'm just on TRT. I'm a little over, well, I guess you could say, of uh, two hundred to two hundred fifty milligrams uh, a week with DHEA at the moment. That's okay. it. I now, tried Seth.
3: DHEA. I'm yeah, sorry, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to talk about DHEA also. Now, from what I've done on research, taking, I, I was going to ask your reasoning behind the DHEA. From my research, from what I've done, is if you're on testosterone replacement therapy or any type of hormones of any sort, and you're funneling basically DHEA into the system, it's going to basically, it has a higher conversion to
1: estrogen more than any other thing. So I was just going to ask, uh, why are you taking DHEA? Um, I've noticed for me, um, it's actually keeping me a little bit leaner. And also my mood is way better when I'm on it, when I'm just on test alone. So like just my mood enhancement, like I've noticed for the past, like, Man, what do I say? Like almost a month now. Like I've been like in a really good mood. Um, plus, I got a lot of stuff going on, so it's kind of been just helping me like keep me focused. Um, I don't know. It, it, it works for me. It's I don't, I've only taken thirty milligrams right now. Not very much. No, right.
3: So that, that's awesome. So then this is why I want to ask. Everyone's going to be completely different. So this is just talking steroid genesis. So I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for a second. So bear with me. Um, so when you take prenagnolone or DHE, pregnanolone starts all of it then it converts to DHEA, and then the next step is going to be uh, progesterone, and then it basically is gonna start converting over. So you either get progesterone, you get to eventually testosterone, and then it converts to estrogen, et cetera, et cetera, and it starts going down its rabbit hole, right? Yeah. So I would theorize for you, you're actually getting a progesterone benefit out of it, and your progesterone levels may be lower. Also, it helps with people that have like, mm-hmm. if, penis sensitivity issues sometimes, or erectile issues, DHEA mm-hmm. will actually help with that. And with or, uh, sorry, not DHEA, progesterone can actually help with that. Um, so if your progesterone is too low, then the DHEA, if it's funneling off into progesterone, I can definitely see that happening. Or your estrogen being too low and it's converting to estrogen. So theoretically, um, that's where my brain would go with it immediately. So that I don't know if you're thinking. Dave, well, so you know, I was going down the same route too. But so there's a
2: doctor's book that I read last year, and he's a big proponent of DHEA. especially with people who are on hormone replacement therapy, because it's almost like the way he worded it was like you're you're backfilling the shit that fucks up because you're on testosterone. So because DHA kind of like fills in these different pathways as it goes throughout your body, you're kind of filling all those things in to stabilize everything because you're taking exogenous testosterone from what I took away from it. I don't remember the doctor's name. Or anything, But I remember reading it, so that was the same route I was thinking about. I just didn't remember which ways it was actually going through. That's interesting. Is there any other, Seth, is there any other, like, different things or just not, like, TRT that you do uh, or compounds you take?
1: Um, So, like, if I do take something or if I want to add in, like, another um, supplement compound, um, I'll I'll normally go, like, a SARM route or something like that on top of, like, um, what I take. Um, But it's normally just, like, a RAD 140. And that's pretty much it. I keep things really simple. I don't like to add in a bunch of things like a lot of other people do. Um, But (laughs) I've learned just over the years, my body responds really well just to doing like one or two things at that, you know, a time in a cycle. Because if not, then you're not going to know what works for what. So, like, I like to kind of, like, do my research in that sort of way. That's what I learned over the years. Um, Doing less is better. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what your guys, you know, take on that is. Pretty much
0: exactly (laughs) that. Exactly. That. Um, one. I want to add maybe we can switch topics another great ancillary for TRT Nandrolone love Nandrolone what do you guys think about Nandrolone? I'm about to hop back on I'm tired of my joints hurting
2: I, I literally just started uh, back 60 milligrams three weeks ago feeling good um, I've had some issues with my knee for the last four or five years ever since i tried to squat in a Smith machine and um, it I don't know if it's helping with that or it's cause I've also added in stretching and I've also added in MK six, seven, seven. So I don't know which one it is, but I've also added in, I think this is super underrated exercise on a side note, um, tibialis training, like the muscle on the front of your chin, yeah. fucking not enough people train that we train calves. Somebody might do a thousand reps on calves or something, and they don't even do any on their tibialis. So I've been doing a lot of tibialis training to help, like probably there's a muscle imbalance, which caused potentially causing my knee pain as well. But Deca, uh, so this is my first time ever utilizing Deca, um, didn't notice anything crazy at 60 milligrams, but I wouldn't expect anything crazy at 60 milligrams. Yeah. What do you guys? So I'll,
3: I'll talk about the house for like one second. Then that's the right the I don't know it. what people talk about. Still funny that you said it. So I. My dad used to make fun of me for not having big calves, right? Like I was a soccer player and I had decent calves. They weren't big by any means. And uh, I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to hit my cast for 365 days straight. So I'm like halfway through this, right? And they're growing, 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 growing. And I'm like doing heavy weight, high reps, blah, 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 like switching it up every single day. Like obviously you get bored doing it every day. And then like halfway through the year, I was like, I can't grow anymore. Like there literally will not change. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to start alternating days. So I did. To be honest, I did toe raises or something to like hit it or just in a stretch position, just halfway up. So one day I would work that and the next day I would work my calves. Dude, my calves just didn't stop growing. I was like, nice. And it, it has to do with muscle imbalance. I'm 95% positive. But John Meadows, like we, he would do the same thing where we'd work out calves and then we'd work out. So John was my coach, by the way, said. Um, but we work out calves, and then we work out. We do toe raises like in between sets, or we do some type of stretch that basically works the tibialis. So, hundred percent with More right, cool, but that, there's a tibialis at
2: the gym uh, I go to. Tibialis machine. Uh, oh my gosh. I love it, I, and I'm doing it. So I'll do a set of something, and then I'll come back and I'll hit the tibialis because it's just like, hey, this is a rest period anyway. You're just I'll do one leg at a time. The toe. I highly recommend if you guys don't do or ever have knee issues or ankle issues even potentially, uh, Tibialis and like ankle mobility shit is underrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so i jump back into nandrolone
3: now. The so so- Um, I'm a huge fan of it. The only issue that I have with nandrolone is I don't have a dysfunction or anything. I actually get Harder, leaner, hornier, and grainier from it. Um, as weird as it is, not everyone. It's very, very, very uh, like it's almost like a phenomenon how rare it is that it happens. But it happens with me, and um, I happened to utilize it in a therapeutic way when I was coming off shoulder surgery in 2019 November. I had a uh, shoulder surgery. And I told the doctor, I'm like, look, I was like, this is what I'm gonna do coming out of surgery. He just gave me a thumbs up, right? He didn't say anything. But <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. I was like, I'm gonna run um, 100 milligrams of Deca a week. As you know, I did 200 milligrams of Deca a week. Um, right. And then I did BBC 157, TB 500. I didn't need Advil. I didn't need painkillers. Um, just straight coming out of surgery. And sure enough, man, after one month, so two weeks after shoulder surgery, I was doing um, assisted dips. And a month after shoulder surgery, I was incline dumbbell pressing 90 pounds, no pain. Um, and Man. DECA is a phenomenal underrated drug, and people forget therapeutic dosages for a male goes up to 600 milligrams and no one's going to talk about that because you're not going to find a doctor that's driving you 600 milligrams of deca and then figure out half a medium if your dick's going to die off on you right like they're not going to be like oh yeah here's 300 milligrams of and 600 milligrams of deca yeah, just and like three t- ml there's ml a of here, Monday, here, Wednesday fine. Friday
0: just three mls of deca plus your test <laughs> so when I took I t- when I took deca I did it at 100 milligrams and that was like the sweet spot for me um I did notice a libido increase um I had no prolactin issues I had no ed issues um when I when I jumped up to 150 for a little bit um it wasn't it, I didn't have any issues but my libido was kind of like it was like on or off kind of it was just a little kind of random um you know whereas when I was at 100 I mean it was just you know full force but 150 kind of made it just a little spotty so I was like eh, I'm good what you have you sorry.
1: Seth, deca, have you yeah. tried deca No, I've never tried it. I've had the opportunities too, but I just like no, i didn't really care for (laughs) trying. So
2: the the ED thing, I think, which uh, I think you could hit it from two points with vitamins because you've got prolactin, right? So we but we all know it's prolactin related. So vitamin B six, somewhere two hundred milligrams to six hundred milligrams, plenty of data shows that's super beneficial. But the other thing is that DECA, from my understanding, Dave, you can you probably know this as well, or can back me up if it's incorrect. Deca has a more suppressive effect than testosterone internal testosterone production than testosterone does. So something like um, vitamin E um, actually in rats has been shown to increase um, uh, the LH the, produc- testosterone production from LH. And in the ligand cells, so this way, because you need, in order to have libido, you need to have some, generally speaking, have some type of intratesticular testosterone production. So if you get something like the B6 to drop prolactin while well, at the same time vitamin B, uh, I'm sorry, vitamin E to like help increase LH levels in your balls, you know what I mean? To inc- I'm going to test some of these things out
3: myself. <laughs> So, that, in theory, that does make sense. Now, I'm going to take it one step further. Everyone's talking about prolactin. Yeah, we know it affects prolactin, but we also know that DECA affects estrogen. But DECA doesn't aromatize, so how does it affect estrogen, right? Do you know? It, well, it does. It does aromatize. It's a small amount, right? It, I mean, it's like a minuscule amount. I mean, like, if you took DECA and no test, like, you would have no estrogen. Uh, like, Well, you you could, but it would, it would be very, very low because it doesn't really aromatize. It's very low aromatization. Um so, so you, you don't, uh, no, don't? No, no. I, I, I think I read somewhere that around twenty percent converts. Yeah, it converts a little bit. It's very low amount. I mean, how much how much tests you have to or decades you have to take to get a decent amount of estrogen, like a ton. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like probably a gram. I don't even know. Probably so tell us. theoretically, um, so. There, there's actually an enzyme that upregulates, basically, estrogen production in the body, and you cannot take an aromatized inhibitor to hit it. So your estrogen levels can skyrocket up if you're genetically prone to it, but you can't take an aromatized inhibitor to knock it down because it doesn't aromatize. That's not the process that it goes through. So it does affect estrogen, and it is usually estrogenic side effects from the DECA. Now, it can be a progesterone, but estrogen is actually one thing that's never talked about with DECA for whatever reason.
2: Oh, Dave, that's super interesting. So it's been three weeks now. Deca, sixty milligrams a week, uh, and I'm just doing one shot of it. First thing I noticed, I was like, I was like, man, my chest feels like it's, it's slightly bigger, it's more puffy or something. So I actually did take a little bit of an AI because I'm also TRT, right? So I did take. That was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, damn, my chest feels like it's a little, not the not gyno necessarily, but it just it was like seemed more puffy like i couldn't see it in the huh. mirror i felt it like i was like anything no nope. i still don't i can't see anything i'm not really but it's just i felt it in my mind after that and that's interesting you mentioned that
0: but you know what else is interesting i just lost my train of thought but i'll get it back is uh well shit <laughs> all right <laughs> I had it and then my mind just just froze there. (laughs) I mean, I Um, thought it
2: was pretty interesting.
0: What I was going to say is one of the main health concerns people talk about with DECA is mainly heart issues. And from what I've seen is that, you know, they they believe that it's because you hold on to more water, which puts more strain on your heart. Um, But I've seen guys on YouTube talk about, you know, doctors that they've been on 200 milligrams of DECA for, you know, 20 plus years and they have no issues. So I think DECA is a really cool compound. And if you're uh, if you're in a tested sport, Deca is not for you. It has a crazy. It's like eighteen months they can detect it on a, like a test, a steroid test. I know there's some girl that just popped for Deca like a while ago. She claims she got it from she she ate pork from like some burrito stand, and somehow there's some like pork yeah yeah, yeah. You, like pull a false negative or false positive on Deca, but Deca's underrated, man. No. Um, so, the, now, it's funny that you say that. So, there
3: are ways to still clean the system. Pretty much everything besides Deca. Deca, you can still clean it, but I think the scrubbing process is longer, and it still takes, like, a long time to get out, like, at least six months. Um, because, like, these NFL players are getting scrubbed before their season starting, where they basically reset everything. I mean, like, they can scrub everything besides deck. is one of the harder ones to scrub out. But, I mean, it's like a 48-hour process, and you can come back clean. Yeah. And they're, Well, you're, they're also – NFL they're using a lot of uh I have a friend that
2: kind of helps some of the people in the NFL and they use a lot of like HGH and uh different peptides because they're it's way easier sometimes you're not testing for that kind of stuff like they're going to be testing for other shit the same and
3: how are you going to test for testosterone and how are you going to test for or any bioidentical hormone. How, how, these these NFL players could be taking a gram of insulin if they
1: wanted to, right? Or 1,000 well, IUs of insulin, and we would never know. Well, it's funny that you say that, though, because like even if they're taking testosterone and they're doing it legally, how would it be banned? Like If they're going to be on something, it's like, you know, how would they know if it's legal or not?
3: And That's the, the only way that they're going to pull back on tests is if it's super physiological, right? So. All right. We we have someone coming to test and they always know when someone's coming to test. All right. I'll take your testosterone shots for two weeks. Okay, cool. I'm going to go there and I'll be bottomed out. All right, done. Yeah.
2: There's just too much money involved to be like, they'll pay somebody 20 30 grand to like there's a lot of people who will take 20 30 grand to give them a heads up a couple of weeks in advance like
0: yeah Well, if you look at start. if you look at NFL players from like the 70s compared to now like I understand the science has gotten better the training has gotten better we have better workout equipment yeah, you're looking back then like a linebacker is like 250 260 tops now you got these guys who are like 330 you know I mean they're just massive and they're I mean they're not like ripped but they're not fat either you know and it's just pretty wild. So, so when
3: I was 17 years old, I flew down for the Super Bowl in Miami um, with my dad. And I remember walking the streets, and I remember looking – I was 135 pounds back then. And so I, I've never seen a bodybuilder or anything. But I looked up, and this dude's like six eight, maybe 7 feet, probably 330 pounds. And I looked at my dad, and he had dreads, right? And I'm like, this dude looks like a like straight-up predator out of the movie. <laughs> like it was superhuman man I was like what is this thing (laughs) everybody's probably got
2: a
1: little different story what was it that sparked you to like be into fitness me um just being around it my whole entire life um I mean I was a really skinny dude back in the day in high school I always get bullied and stuff like that I mean just like anyone's like you know kind of thing that happened to them back in the day um, just by looking up to people who I've worked out with in the gym that were a lot bigger. So I was like, oh, I just want to do the same thing they are. It's like, okay. So like then from then on, I just kind of looked up to people and kind of had my own thing going on after that. And then I would just work out alone for a while. And then here I am today. And
0: <laughs> you, work out at, you work out at home, don't you, sir? I think.
1: I, I do now. Um, beforehand, I would work out at gyms and, um, you know, before the or when the pandemic happened um basically i was like i'm gonna just invest in my own gym so i, I you know bought six thousand dollars or more of equipment um free weights and all that kind of stuff and um been working out at home and been able to lift the weights whenever i want to and and i kind of miss going to the gym just you know the social stuff out there and um some of the machines but it's you know, it's kinda you know, nice. you know I, mean? I don't have to have people talking to me all the time <laughs> that's a, that's a-
2: interesting about the social stuff i think that's probably for dave i've been doing this for a long time but a lot of my friends are like friends that i've made at the gym <laughs> like because you know what i mean you're just taught you're there all the time and you just Hell see yeah. the same guys and you just this is a lot of the friends i've, I've actually made in, throughout my life have been friends
1: that have mm-hmm. met because i spent time in the gym you know i don't i don't get like I, I see why people do it, but it's just like, you know, I, I remember doing that too when I was younger and stuff. That's how I, I have met people and like you have, um, I mean, like all of us do like long lasting relationships and stuff, of course. But like, you know, now I just want to, if I go to the gym, I just want to go there for like 45 minutes, blast a workout. I don't want people to talk to me. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if they're on the phone having a conversation for 30 minutes, I'm like, what are they doing there? It's like, you know, wasting like their gym membership time. So well.
0: You know, I've never once made a friend at the gym and I don't want to. Um, When I go to the gym, I try not to talk to anyone. Um, You know, I put in my headphones. I don't even talk to people at the front. I just scan my little ticket. And when they move their mouth, I say thank you and move on because I don't want to go to the gym and have someone talking to me. You know, I don't want to spend 30 minutes talking to people like I made the mistake of talking to one of the guy, the janitor guys that cleans there and you know, every time I see him, I'm like, take out my earbuds, start talking. You know, I lose, I lose my warm up, I lose my pump. I mean, um, I help people <laughs> in the gym. I help people. I I saw a guy almost drop 315 on his chest. He was stand. I was just standing there. I was looking away, and I see, I see it go up a little bit. I see, the, <laughs> I see the shake, and then I see it start coming back down. And I just reached out and just grabbed it uh, to the the lower rack. I didn't get all the way up, but damn, crazy damn, people. are mentioned 315 by themselves. That's they should have a spawn. he walked up and he's just curling through team like
2: Dude, on, <laughs> do you, have you it's interesting seth and uh test your levels, do you guys have similar philosophy it sounds like a little bit in terms of the gym going in there and do but like um, i'm curious dave do you like because i do the same thing depending on like how i'm feeling i might not want to talk to anybody so i might choose to do the exercise on the other side of the gym away from where people are that I might talk to. But uh, do you have you met a lot of people in the gym, Dave,
3: over the years? The most successful people in all aspects of life I've ever met have been from the gym. Um, I'm talking relationship. They take care of their fitness and their health. And so they they prioritize relationships, fitness. And then they obviously have done very well for themselves financially. Um, My mentors in life, I've pretty much met at the gym. Um, I now I keep in mind, I live in a very affluent area. I grew up in one and I still live in one. So it's a little bit different, the scene over here, but most of my friends are 40 to 60 years old. Um, I don't even, God knows even how, know how much money some of these guys have, but they take care of, they just love the gym time. The gym is when they work, then they transfer that into their work life. And then they lead their work life there and they have their relationships and they focus on relationships and they focus on all aspects of life. And I feel like the most well-rounded, well-off people that have done well for themselves and are happy, I have met in the gym. Um, So now I'm very, very selective Mm -hmm. of who I talk to, especially becoming – I hate to say more popular. I, I like my little circle kind of thing, right? Um, but a lot of more people are recognizing me and approaching me and stuff like that. And um, people know when to leave me alone, right? Like even my clients, they know when to leave me alone. I have a look in my eye. I have a baseball cap on. If I'm in prep and I have a hoodie on, sweats on, you know to leave me alone. Um, and, you know, but there is a aspect of, this is also financially beneficial towards me if I have a conversation with gym. Sometimes just a little like e-drop, like someone it, – it's paying our dues forward. Every single time that we can give advice to someone or help someone, it's paying our dues forward. Whatever The hardships that we have learned in our lives are to help other people. So we completely close ourselves off and we don't pay our dues forward. We're not doing ourselves the justice or the – for us having to go through it and to live through it and to get better and stronger from it. And then to help someone else down the road, maybe Seth can help someone that's getting bullied in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who, Whoever knows like what's going to come from it. So um, I think it's a great place to meet people and no, I'm not going to hit on a girl when I'm at the gym. <laughs> I've done that before, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're
1: right. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I mean, like, and you know, I have met a lot of people at the gym, too, and, like, you know, have some of my best friends come out of the gym, actually. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, now that I kind of have a little more, like, you know, YouTuber status, I guess you could say, from, like, you know, all my YouTuber history. Um, I mean, I do give advice from, you know, just normal people coming up to me and talking to me and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, if I'm at a different gym that I don't know. Like, I'll have a couple people come up to me and, like, in between my sets or something like that, and I'll talk to them and I'll be nice. I'm not going to ignore them and stuff like that. But, you know, it's different if I'm like working out in the set, you know, that's like kind of like a respect kind of thing, you know? (laughs) But, um, I mean, you just kind of learn, but, you know, I'm always Mm -hmm. there for giving advice and showing people the right way and do like certain movements because I was there once. We all know, you know?
0: Spread it forward, be positive, help people out. Just be a good human. If everyone did that, this world would be such a better place. Um, I think at this point, we're going to wrap this episode up. I know all you guys have stuff to do. Um, appreciate all your guys' time. I think this was a really good time. Seth, thank you very much for being here. What's your Instagram? What's your Instagram handle again or wherever you want people to check you out at?
1: Yeah, so it's Seth jordan underscore 3.0
0: perfect if you're watching this on our youtube channel you can hear it on our podcast on any podcast platform if you're hearing this on a podcast we have a youtube channel you can actually see our faces see all our beautiful smiling faces that were all juiced up and geared up and <laughs> <laughs> i'm going a little go a a overboard there but uh stan <laughs> david anything you guys want to close with
2: uh okay. I, I, i'll go uh first i want to appreciate you coming on seth thank you for sharing uh your insights you. and sitting with us as well as sometimes going tangents about other things so appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience and, and taking the time with us and um test your levels and dave i appreciate you guys taking the time and sharing the insight i my big takeaway was nicotine uh i gotta do some more research on that i definitely will be testing that as a pre-workout thank
0: you and also too
2: and and also, i have that up on a tab right now
0: nice Have anything
2: you
3: want to close with? Yeah, no. So I was just gonna say thank you guys for coming on. Thank you very much for your time. Um, Hopefully we look forward to having you back soon. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to do some research on vitamin E because uh, luteinizing hormone getting increased from vitamin E—that is a first. I used to know it for skin and health reasons, and now I have another reason to look it up because it could potentially be an implementation of PCT protocol for someone down the road. Who knows? Especially these women that ovaries don't turn online, so um, it's just something
0: for me to research. So thank you for that, Sam. I appreciate you guys. Wonderful. Well, guys, all the links to everything that we're associated with will be down there. Seth's Instagram link, go check it out. If you're new, click on the subscribe button. If you're listening, I don't know what you do with podcasts, but do that. And, uh, thank you guys for being here too much test podcast episode five. You guys are awesome. We'll see you in the next one.